morning. Good morning, good morning. I am so grateful that you are just chatting it up. Good morning, good morning, good morning. That is amazing. I am so glad that you actually have a story to tell because this is going to play right along with the sermon. So this is great. This is fantastic. All right. So if, you are, if this is your first time being here at Mill City Church, welcome. My name is Adobe Induka. I'm the community impact pastor here at Mill City, and we are grateful that you're here. And honestly, it is truly an honor and a privilege um, whenever I get the opportunity to preach the word of God here. So uh, I'm grateful to be standing here. All right, so the community time question today was, share about a time you received an unexpected gift. Now, I ain't talking about them gift that's unexpected. You know the gift I'm talking about. You know, the one you're like, oh, you shouldn't have. <laughs> you know, and you're trying to find ways to give it away or throw it away. I mean, misplace it, you know. <laughs> Uh-uh. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about an unexpected gift that is so ridiculous that it brings you to tears, embarrasses you, and shocks you all at the same time. And the worst of it, you cannot even repay it. You can't even repay it. But child, let me tell you what happened. That happened to me. I was minding my business, serving the Lord, going to work, doing my everyday thing. And I was sitting with my boss, you know, doing our one-on-one, just make, you know, trying to find out what's the next thing to do. And for those of you that don't know, I was renting from Pastor Steph. And so she just out of was like, hey, just want to let you know, um, I'm thinking of selling this home, um, but I want to come to you first and see if you're interested in buying it. Well, you know, me and my kiddo, so, for, you know, I'm divorced, mom of four, and every year it seems like we have to move because, you know, rent goes up and I have to find another place to live. And honestly, we were tired of moving, and we just love this home. It's a home, it's not an apartment, which is great. Wonderful neighborhood, and we were just like, man, it would be cool if we don't have to move. And so when she brought that up, I was like, girl, that sounds good. But since you're my boss, you already know my financial situation. <laughs> you know. And so she was like, cool, cool, cool. Um, I have found out what the health is worth. And my husband and I are going to go 40K below that and then raise the 40K so that can down be your down payment. It's not crazy. I know, y'all. I know. See, see okay. I'm... Nigerian. I didn't do like y'all just did. <laughs> no, 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 no. I was balling. I just happened to be sitting there because let me tell you, if I was standing, I'll be shouting, acting like it was a Pentecostal church. Do you hear me? Okay. And thankfully she knew me, so she just let me go have at it. She's just like, okay. And she felt a little uncomfortable like she's feeling right now. <laughs> felt a little uncomfortable. Um, but man, what an unexpected gift. And I actually want to flip this question also, wondered, have you tried to give an unexpected gift to someone? Did they receive it or did they reject it? 
we're going to get into it. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, please help us to receive the unexpected gift you have for us. In your name we pray. Amen. All right. So we are in a series entitled What God is Like. Our focus in the series is to talk about what God says he is. What is so amazing about God is we, ha- we do not have to wonder what God is like because God told us. In Exodus 34, verse 6, God used, uh, gave a description of the Lord's character. And he says, And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord, the great, the great, uh, sorry, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounded in love, and faithfulness. This statement came about because Moses said to God in Exodus 33, verse 18, Now, show me your glory. And out of this sentence, the next verse says, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. Then God passes in front of Moses and then gives his description. I find it interesting that when Moses asks God, basically said to him, show me your glory. He starts by giving him, describing to him who he is. And, and in doing so, God explains that he is the Lord of compassion, gracious, slow to anger, overflowing with lo- uh, loyal love and faithfulness. And in this series... We are going to dive in each Sunday, dive in each characteristics and seeing what did God, what does he mean when he says that his compassion is gracious. Last week, Pastor Steph preached on God being compassionate. If you have not watched that, I invite you to do so. To go to our YouTube page, youtube.com slash Church, Or if you receive our weekly emails, there's a link for that. My assignment this week is to talk about God being gracious. And then the question then becomes, what do we mean? Or what did God mean, actually? It's a better question. What did God mean when he says that the Lord is gracious? So I want to queue up this video uh, created by the Bible Project, and I'll be back in a few minutes. It could be difficult or daunting. But when the people who wrote the Bible pondered the mystery of God, they consistently described God's character in this way. Compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, overflowing with loyal love and faithfulness. We're going to look at the second key word in this statement, gracious. The Hebrew word is chanun, which is related to the Hebrew noun chen. This word chen is often translated as grace or favor. And if you study how this word is used throughout the Bible, you find a fascinating story. One meaning of chen is delightful or favorable. In the Psalms, a skilled poet is said to have lips of chen. That is, he can craft beautiful words that bring delight. Or a dazzling piece of jewelry is an ornament of chen. It attracts attention and favor. This is why chen is often the word used to describe a gift given with delight or favor. In these cases, chen could be translated as grace. Like in the story of Esther, who approaches the king of Persia to ask that she and her people be spared from death. She calls this a request for chen, 
And because the king delights in Esther, he favors her and grants her wish. So, giving a gift of favor is chen because it's motivated by delight. And the most extreme kind of chen is showing favor to someone who should get what they deserve, not a generous gift. Like Jacob, who cheated his brother Esau, ran away, and then after 20 years wants to come back and make things right. So he comes to Esau asking, may I find chen in your eyes? Jacob isn't asking for what is fair, but for favor. And surprisingly, that's what Esau gives him. He chooses to delight in his brother Jacob and show him grace that he doesn't deserve. Now, chen requires a generous spirit, which people sometimes have. But in the Bible, the one who shows more chen than anyone else is God. Like when God rescued the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt, and they quickly betray him by giving their allegiance to a golden idol as their God. But then, Moses steps in and asks God to consider giving a gift that they don't deserve. And God says, yes, by showing the ultimate act of chen, forgiveness and a promise to be with these people. This character trait of God is so reliable that over 40 times in the book of Psalms, people cry out for God's chen when they're sick or in danger or when the Israelites are in exile. And the biblical prophets like Isaiah looked back to God's chen in the past and boldly declared that God will one day show chen to his people by delivering them and all creation from death and ruin. Now, when we turn to the authors of the New Testament, they describe God's chen with the Greek word charis, which means gracious gift. Like when we're introduced to Jesus in the Gospel of John, we're told that Jesus is God's glorious charis become human sent into a world of people trapped in darkness and death. Because according to the Apostle Paul, we're like the living dead. God has handed humanity over to the destructive consequences of our selfish decisions. But, Paul says, God is rich in mercy, and by his charis, he's rescued us. He's talking about how Jesus' life, death, and resurrection are offered to us as a generous gift of life that is more powerful than death. And as with any gift, all one has to do is receive it. So now you can see why the biblical authors talk so much about this description of God's character throughout the Bible. When people are willing to own their failures and ask God for chen, he has a consistent and generous response. God gives the gift of himself, his life and his love. And this is what it means that God is gracious. When Jewish uh, scholars translated the Hebrew Bible into Greek, they translated the word gracious, hanun, to mean to show mercy. And this, you see that 12 times out of the 13 instances. And the one out of the 13, they translate to mean to show compassion. So to say that God is gracious, it means that God shows mercy. Then the question then becomes, what does that look like? And so we're going to dive into the Old Testament story, the book of Jonah. And we're going to read, I'm going to read um, Jonah chapter 1, verses 1 through 2. And he reads, The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai. 
Go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. Now, Jonah was an Old Testament Israelite hundreds and hundreds of years after um, Exodus and Moses' leadership. He was the son of Amatai, a prophet from the village of Gath, Hepher, in the region of Galilee. If Galilee sounds familiar, that's where Jesus started his ministry. And in Nineveh was a great city occupied by the Assyrians. The Assyrians have been an aggressive enemy against Israel. In 722 BC, the Assyrians captured Samaria, which was the capital of Israel, and deported over 27,000 people, and then repopulated it with foreigners. So, when God goes to Jonah, who's an Israelite, hey, go preach against the city. He's like, nah, I'm good. (laughs) Homeboy decided to go to the opposite direction. I want you to check out this map. Jonah's... (laughs) Jonah was in Joppa, okay? Look how far Nineveh is from Joppa, y'all. And he decided to go to Tartish, which is 25,000 miles away. So he goes to the port, sees sailors that were heading to Tartish. He pays his money, goes and goes down to the lower deck and just chill there. And, of course... The Lord was not pleased with this. So God allows a wind to come, a great wind, which then causes a storm. Now, I do want to give a side note here. God does not cause all storms. Okay? If you grew up the way I grew up, yeah. God was in everything. He caused everything. But God does not cause all storms. In this particular instance, we know that God caused this because it said so. And God allowed it to use it as a warning, not as punishment. Okay? It's to let Jonah know, hey, you are headed in the wrong direction. You are disobeying me, and I know you're disobeying me. So, but, you know, the sailors, they don't know what's going on, you know. And they're freaking out. They're freaking out, putting their cargoes in, um, in the water, hoping that would lie in the ship, and it was not working. And guess where Jonah was? Sleeping. I don't know about y'all, but I'll be hot. If everybody's tripping and you just sleep, you know, especially when you know it's you. Oh, my God. <laughs> so the captain comes down, wakes Jonah up, and says, hey, call on your God. Let's find out what's going on. And then later on, they decide to cast a lot. And now this is equivalent to us drawing straws. So the lot falls on Jonah, and all the sailors just look to him. And they start asking questions. Who are you? Where are you from? Where you been? Where you going? What's going on? And Jonah was just honest. He was like, hey, I'm a Hebrew, and I serve the God of of heaven. He's the creator of 
the sea, and the dry land. And I find it interesting how he's describing this God because, you know, they were serving all different kind of gods. And he's like, okay, I want to specify this kind of God I'm serving. And he actually was honest and was like, yeah, I disobeyed him. I'm the reason why this storm is here. And so they were like, oh, okay, so what can we do to make this thing stop? This dude was like, oh, just throw me overboard. What? The sailor was like, oh, okay. All right, let's find a way <laughs> to get this boat to safety. So they are trying their hardest to get this boat to the shore, to dry land. And man, it was getting worse by the minute. And so the sailors were like, now nah, they start calling on this God that Jonah was talking about. And they were like, Lord, please don't count this against us. We're about to throw this man overboard. <laughs> Please don't count against us. Don't think we're trying to kill this man, but we're about to do this. And they throw Jonah overboard. And when they did, the storm stopped. Now, the story doesn't end there. God sends for fish to rescue Jonah. Because apparently, Jonah rather die than obey. He rather die, then go to Nineveh to these people he can't stand to preach. And God was like, uh-huh. He sends a fish, which the fish swallows him. And in this fish, Jonah stays there for three days and three nights. Honestly, I have to wonder, did it take three days and three nights, really, for him to go to dry ground, or was Jonah that stubborn? And he had to be in there for that long. I don't know. But in this fish, he ends up praying, asking God for forgiveness. And then God commanded the fish, and the fish vomited him onto dry land. Child. Okay, I have an interesting imagination. And I'm trying to figure if you come out of a fish, what else is on you that came out along with you? But anyway, he's alive, amen, and he's on dry ground, nevertheless. Um, But isn't it interesting how God was just gracious both to Jonah and to the sailors, you know? Because listen, when the storm came, God God was not thinking, oh, the sailors don't worship me, so whatever, you know what I mean? No, 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 no. The storm came because of a man who was being disobedient. It had nothing to do with the sailors, even though they were worshiping other gods. And this man's disobedience caused havoc around, with people around him. These people end up losing things just because they were kind and say, sure, join us, not knowing that he was being disobedient. And the sailors were just being kind to Jonah. Even when he wants to be thrown over, but they're trying to find all the ways to go about it. And, you know, it makes me wonder if the sailors were Israelites, if Jonah would have gone into the boat knowing he was being disobedient. Because, you know, after all, they're foreigners. They don't worship God. So if God take me and them, who cares? 
But our God was so gracious because these sailors cried out to this God and God showed compassion. Even though Jonah didn't cry out, and yes, he had an attitude, God still was gracious to Jonah. Now, so when he's vomited out on this dry land, the dry land he found himself in was Nineveh, the spot that he was running from. And God says to Jonah, go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give you. This time Jonah obeyed. It took him three days to go through the city preaching about the calamity that will happen in 40 days. People in Nineveh believed God through a man that couldn't stand him. Isn't that crazy? Man, our God is a wonder. He works in mysterious ways. But they believed God. And then the king made this decree. And he says, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink. But let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. And the next verse says, When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. God showed compassion and mercy because the Ninevites repented. God is gracious. Now, Jonah, you know, homeboy was waiting. And I gave the message. He's like, all right, I'm going to sit here and just wait for God's judgment just to rain down. Because, you know, you know, when you have enemies, you, the last thing you're thinking is they are going to change their mind. They're going to repent. Uh-uh. You just want that judgment. So he's there waiting, 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 waiting. <laughs> he's like, eh, nothing's, nothing's happening. So here comes Jonah. He goes praying to God. Check out this prayer. Isn't this what I said, Lord, when I was still at home? <laughs> this is what I tried to forestall by fleeing to Tarshish. I knew that you are gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger and abounding in love, a God who relents from sending calamity. Wow. Somebody knows Exodus 34, verse 6. But not only did he know it, he believed it. He was like, I knew this. This is why I don't want to go. Now he black, you know. <laughs> this is why I don't want to go. Because I knew as soon as they let, oh, forgive you. like, all right. You know, that's okay. That's fine. He didn't want that. You know. Uh, but our God is gracious. You can see throughout this story that God's grace is woven throughout this book. And Jonah was so upset, so much so, that he now asked God to take him out of this world. 
He's like, all right, take me, Lord. Take me now. Just take me. Because, you know, the first time he tried and God sent a fish, you know. And this time he was like, okay, now take me. And, of course, God did not listen to that request. Instead, God extended grace to Jonah. Going back to Exodus, where we first heard the description of God's character, remember what God told Moses in Exodus 33, 19? Where he said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. God meant that thing. God will have mercy on whom he will have mercy. He will have compassion on whom he will have compassion, even if you don't like the person or the people. God don't care. He's going to do God. Now the question I have for you is, is there someone or a group of people that you think that don't deserve God's graciousness? Is that person you? In the New Testament, Jesus is the incarnate of Exodus 34, verse 6. Jesus is compassion, grace, patient, love, and faithfulness personified. One of his purpose was to show us what God is like. John 1, 1 describes Jesus by saying, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now this Word came as a baby. And this baby was entrusted with two imperfect people, Mary and Joseph. God is gracious. In John 1 verse 14, it goes on to say, The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have, been, we have seen his glory and the glory of the one and the only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. Remember in the Old Testament, in Exodus 33 verse 18, when Moses said to God, show me your glory. Here in John, it says, we have seen his glory, full of grace and truth. Jesus did not come to condemn this world. He came to save it. Our God is gracious. So the question I have for all of us is, how have you seen God be gracious to you in your life? For me, January 2006, that I can pinpoint because that was serious for me. Not that he hasn't done it previous then or after, or after that, but that was very, that's a memory I will always continue to carry with me. Because during my quiet time, I heard God said to me, I'm calling you to ministry. And I thought, hmm. And I thought a little bit longer. And I was like, <laughs> no. <laughs> Do you know who this is? <laughs> you know? Uh-uh. Uh, no, I'm good. And I kept giving God excuses year after year, month after month. And I'm just like, Lord, I am not the one. I got issues. I'm not perfect. Let's even talk about commitment issues, Lord. First of all, so about what? Not even a month so I surrendered my life to Christ uh, December 10, 2005. In January 2006, he's calling me to ministry. I was like, Lord, first of all, I don't even know if I'm going to even be committed to you. And you call me to ministry. 
The only thing I've been committed to, com committed to is being a, a daughter, being a sister, and being a mama. At the time I was married, and I was like, I don't even know how this marriage is going to work out. You know, like, what are, what, are we, what are we talking about? I give God every single excuse. But, man, it took eight years. In 2014, January, believe it or not, in 2014, I surrendered. I was like, all right, God, I surrender. Because at this point, God has been gracious with me, been with me, have been loving me, have been showing me his mercy. And I came to a point where I was willing to pay the price to say yes to him. God is so gracious. So at this time, I want to invite you to please lower your head and close your eyes. And we are going to invite the Holy Spirit to come to this space and speak to us as we reflect on these questions. Are you finding it challenging to obey God because he's choosing to have mercy on whom you think doesn't deserve it, like Jonah? Are you surprised that God wants to be gracious to you or someone you know, just like the Ninevites? Are you in a challenging season and wondering if this season is your fault? like the sailors? Are you facing the consequences of your actions like Jonah? God is gracious. There is nothing you can do that would disqualify you from his grace. All you have to do is cry out to him, repent, and then receive the gift. Not because you deserve it, but because the God who gives this gift wants to give it freely. Please receive them. Receive the gift. Because if you don't receive the gift, you cannot mirror that to people in your life and into your community. Amen.